And you've heard me preach before. I've used this quite often because it is the good news. It is the gospel uh, centered in an Old Testament prophet's life. And uh, boy, I'd love to jump off and do an expository study of this. But let's just capture some simple truths because it really speaks to the motivation of why we share the gospel. For what reason do we go out and proclaim this good news? Well, look at Isaiah as we've read through it. We're not going to read through it again just for the sake of time. But Isaiah is captured in this vision. And in this vision, he is standing before God. Now, you and I might think, well, man, he is in heaven with God. Woo, he is going to be excited. He's in heaven. There's God. But you know what strikes Isaiah is fear. What is his fear? His fear is the realization that he is standing before a holy God who is being worshipped and adored by the angels and the realization that he himself is not fit to be in God's presence. He himself is a sinner. He says, I am a man of unclean lips. And not only that, I live among a people of unclean lips. And you know what his conclusion was? Woe is me. You know, that's the very first step of salvation is someone to realize, woe is me. I am desperately undone. I am a sinner, and if I had to stand before God right now, I am due his wrath and his judgment. But Isaiah sees something else very significant. A coal is taken out and placed upon his lips. And God says, the angel says, don't call unclean what God has made clean. You see the picture there? God has forgiven him of his guilt and of his sin. Now, this is what I want you to capture. Isaiah didn't simply say, well, that's kind of cool. But the next verse, the last verse that the pastor read this morning was this. There's this conversation among the Trinity in heaven. Well, who will go for us? Who will speak this good news to people? And allow me this morning to use my sanctified imagination because I don't think Isaiah was much different than you and I. As Isaiah is sitting back contemplating this great call about who will go proclaim the good news to God's people. Who will go proclaim our words to a lost and dying people. Who will do that? Now, I know scripture doesn't say this, but allow me just venture out a little bit here. I can imagine Isaiah saying, well, golly, you know, I just experienced this. I'm certainly not equipped to do this. I am not rich in theology of how all this came about. I don't understand the details of what's going on here. But you know what? I think he's looking around and and there's this conversation in heaven and nobody's standing up. And he says, here am I, send me. And you know, we see this, this, it's a very close resemblance in the New Testament with the blind man. Y'all remember the account of the blind man that uh, Jesus and his apostles walked by a blind man. And of course, they're contemplating, well, wow, what sin was it, him or his parents? And Jesus said, no, 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 it's none of that. It's that God might be glorified. Don't want to spend much time here because y'all know the story. Jesus healed them. And boy, they tried to prove every way possible that he was not blind. Finally calling him before religious leaders. And he said simply this. Listen, all I can tell you is yesterday I was blind. But praise God, today I can see. That's Isaiah's testimony. I don't know the details of how it happened. But let me share. I was a sinner doomed before God. But he has pardoned me. He has cleansed me of my sin. And if he is asking who will go share this news, I am not the best equipped. I am not the best speaker. I am not the best if, but I'll go. You know, it amazes me through the passage of Scripture how God just uses ordinary people to accomplish great things. 
As a matter of fact, I'd be willing to bet this, that if you think you're all that in a, in a bucket of ribs, forgive me for that, but <laughs> if you think you're all that, you're probably not going to be used much of God. I think God seeks out those who have been broken to the core, realizing I am totally unworthy to do anything to do great and mighty things. So if you find yourself in that position this morning, I'm just not that much, God wants to use you in a mighty way. God wants. So what is our motivation, church? What is our motivation? This great salvation that God has brought in our life. You know, you may stutter it out, and I tell people this all the time, you can't mess this up. I truly believe that the Spirit of God is working in your life. You can say, sin, Jesus, repent. And the Holy Spirit's going to work that in the life of the individual. Yes, I do need to repent of my sin and come to faith in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. A button's coming undone this morning. Y'all didn't know y'all get a show, did you? <laughs> so our motivation is this. The gospel is powerful. The gospel has brought and continues to do a mighty work in our life. And there are those that need to hear it. Here am I, Lord. Send me, send me. The motivation, what is the message, is very much captured there in Isaiah. And we just talked about it. We are all desperately sinned. The gospel, the, the, the scripture makes it very clear. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And what is the good news? God demonstrated his love for us, Romans 5, 8, in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. There is this great transition that takes, transaction that takes place for those that believe. Our sin placed upon the cross of Calvary. Jesus died for it. His righteousness now placed upon us. And that ought to do something in us. The fact that we are going to be accepted for God, before God, in eternity, it ought to do something. And to think that he's going to continually work through our lives. So the motivation is the gospel. The message is Jesus Christ and the free forgiveness of sin. And now I want to kind of get into a method, which is really where I want to spend a core of my time. Because this is what the pastor asked me to spend and share with you. Listen, I want to share several methods. Because I realize we're all on, 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 maybe in different places in our spiritual life. Maybe there is a desire. You know, I really want to do this. But I just don't know where to start. Let me encourage you to maybe even start here. Pray. Pray, pray and ask God to give you a burden for the lost in our community. Pray that God would make known to you, your friends and relatives uh, that need to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Pray that God would send his spirit to convict them of sin and that they'd be receptive to the message. I'm going to tell you, prayer is the means to God's end. Why pray? God commanded it. Why pray? Because God uses prayer in our life to start moving in the lives of others. It is his divine means to a, a divine end. Okay? It, it's, it's, that's how we do it. Pray, pray, pray. I'm going to encourage you to do this. Man, pray at restaurants. It's been a habit of Debbie and mine. And some of you would have lunch and dinner. What if we do this? We just simply ask the server, is there anything we can pray with you about? And you know what? And Debbie's here as my witness. Not one person said, what a ridiculous question. No, I don't want you to pray for me. There have been, I would say, five out of 100 that said, no, I'm fine. Thank you. I still pray for their soul. I still pray that they, got, they don't hear it, but I do pray for them. But, you know, 95% of the time, people, and Debbie's here will validate this, said, yes, would you please pray? Uh, school, family, job, it, it could be a manner of things. But prayer is a ministry. And prayer is oftentimes a way that we can get to know that person just a little bit better. I'm not kidding, maybe one or two, three times out of a hundred, they come back and they want to inquire more. One time, it's worked out where I've been able to develop a Bible study. It all started from prayer. There is someone in our community that has a business, and I didn't know this until this past week when I was sharing it with my brother uh, in a church that's just come to faith in Christ. Uh, He was going uh, through a time that he had to use one of the business services of one of our members and at the end of that, he said, well, listen, uh, would you mind if I just prayed with you? Now, this man's a lost man, not, not 
our church member, of course. I hope not. No, I'm pretty sure he's not. But uh, the guy he was talking with was lost. But you know what he said? He said, uh, I don't think he knows what an impact that had on my life, that he was willing just to spend a few moments during a difficult time of my life to pray for me. Now, as it were, six months later, he came to faith in Christ. But God used that as a catalyst to start awakening the spirit in that young man. Because eventually a neighbor invited him to church. Eventually he sat under preaching of the gospel. Really only came here to kind of get his neighbors off his back. But there was something in the gospel message that was being preached that started doing the work in his life. And you know what? A few months later, he come to faith in Jesus Christ. Never discount because of what you see. Be faithful. Be a praying person. Allow prayer to be part of a method of evangelism in your life. The next thing, another small step is maybe just invite people to church. I shared just a few moments ago how a neighbor invited this person to church. They heard the gospel and they preached. Now listen, I'm going to call these baby steps, okay? Because they are initial steps. Uh, Not too many people have been stoned to death for inviting people to church. I don't know. Nassau County Record, anybody see anybody stoned for inviting somebody to church? No, they don't. And really, we got some scripture uh, evidence here. John chapter 1, verses 40 through 42. You remember this passage. Uh, Jesus was beginning to call out his disciples. And Andrew, coming to the understanding that Jesus was the Messiah, went and found this guy named Simon Peter and said, Peter, come and see. We have found the Messiah. Now, we know that Peter played a fairly significant role in the gospel later on. But how did it all begin? Someone said, come and see. Come and see. So prayer and simply inviting people to sit under the gospel church is is a method of evangelism. Now, I'm going to encourage you to go further this morning. Because in all reality, who should be praying for lost souls? The church, amen? Every single one of us should be praying that God would burden us uh, for lost souls. That God would place in our path those who need, need to hear the gospel. But also inviting the church. No harm, no foul there. And when you're talking to a neighbor, it says, by the way, I, I, know you know, I don't think you go to church anywhere. I'd love to have you come visit with us. That is a method of evangelism. Share your testimony. I told you already, John chapter 9, the only thing the blind man said, yesterday I was blind, today I see. And then he had the boldness to say, do you, would, you, would you like to believe in him as well? Of course, that didn't set well. But uh, they ran him out of the court, so to speak. But, but share your testimony. You know, my fear is sometimes within churches, many cases, there's no testimony to share. Or it may go something like this. Well, I don't know. I just kind of always went to church. It's just kind of my thing. Listen, that's cultural Christianity and that's not biblical salvation. And let me, let me, let me, let me, let me share with you. I'm concerned. Okay. I'm very concerned. If it's just something you've always done, if it's a box you're checking off, I'm very concerned because God did a radical work in my life in Jesus Christ. Haven't got over it yet. And those of you that know him personally and truly and and love him know what that's like. It is a relationship. It's not about a religious exercise we do every Sunday. It's something that continually transforms our life. So share your testimony. You know, when you go through the essentials class, I encourage everybody to have a two-minute testimony. Now, sometimes it's longer and shorter, but talk about what Jesus, or talk about how uh, you come to understand that you were a sinner. There were certainly people that had shared with you and talked with you. Talk about all those people and how uh, you come to hear the gospel message and then all that Jesus has done in your life since then. Your personal testimony is irrefutable. You know that? People may say you're crazy, you're silly, but listen, you're not going to convince me this Bible is any other color than black. Why? Because I know what black looks like. And I have spent 50, well, 50 years 
for the most part, understanding what black looks like, and I have answered that question successfully. In other words, my testimony about the color of this right here is, is irrefutable. You can tell me it's red all day, not going to believe it. You can tell me that Jesus doesn't exist, that he's just a fable, but it doesn't change the fact, the radical transformation he's had in my life. It's irrefutable. Do what you said want to or whatever, but you're not going to convince me it's just not so. Your testimony is powerful. People need to hear what God has done in your life. Finally, the last thing is what I really wanted to get to. And if you look in your bulletin, hopefully you have a bulletin insert. If you'll break that out real quick. I come from a technical field, so this is a flow chart. I hope it's not too confusing. And listen, I never want this to be, wow, you can really read that. No, that's good. Thanks, Toby. That does look good, brother. But if you got your bulletin, I encourage you to break this out because this is really where I want to spend a lot of our time this morning. The way a flow chart works, you look, we work from the top left-hand box and just follow the errors. And then whatever the question, answer to the question leads you, you go there. And as you talk and you start wanting to share the gospel, the first thing is just get connected. You know, I really discouraged uh, walking up to somebody on the street and said, by the way, the Bible says you're a sinner doomed to hell. And if you don't repent of your, your sin and turn to Jesus Christ, you're going to burn in hell. How would you receive that? I like get me out of here now because uh, I'd be scared to death. And you know, the fear is in doing that is we got to be careful. Listen to me very closely. We got to be careful. The gospel message is powerful, but the gospel message also is very offensive. People have to understand as the spirit moves in them that they are sinners. Because in reality, we all think we're pretty good. And that is offensive. But listen, and the fact that Jesus is the only way to heaven is offensive to me. How arrogant that you would say such a thing. It's very offensive. That alone needs to be offensive, church. We should never be offensive. We should never be offensive. We, we should never leave an opportunity to preach the gospel and say, well, he's awful rude. He's awful mean, spirited. You should be very humble. I love the illustration. I forget the theologian that came up with it, but we should be like a beggar telling other beggars where they can get bread. You hear that? Approach it with a sense of humility that I am simply a beggar who found bread. And I want to share with you a place that you also can find bread. Don't never let us be the offense. Let the gospel be the offense. Amen? Amen. So as you get connected, man, how are you? What's good? Kind of follow through with the flow chart with me. How are you? Hey, my name is Jimmy. Uh, discuss some comments interest they had. Hey, I, you know, I saw you at the backgammon game last night or, or, uh, you know, Hey, I saw you in Sears yesterday buying a compressor, man. How's that working out for you? Yes. Yeah, good, man. Do you really work in tools a lot? Well, yeah, yeah. I love working in tools, man. It's awesome. I built this and well, that's cool, man. Yeah. I've always wanted to kind of do that too. I, I kind of get into that and man, I'm also going to church and I got a small group. I love going to that. Even went to Ethiopia, right? I even got to use some of this tool knowledge over in Ethiopia. It's really, really cool. Do you go to church anywhere? Have I been offensive yet, church? Haven't, haven't. What's the answer? Yes or no? Look at your flow chart. Uh, if his answer is yes, well, that's cool. Where do you go to church? Allow them to talk. 
That's great. Yeah, you know, all churches are about the same if you think about it. They're really trying to prepare us to stand before God or trying to prepare us uh, to go to heaven and and do what's right. In your church, how, how, how do you get forgiveness for sin in your church? And let them talk. Let them talk. Don't correct them. Just let them talk. You say, that's interesting. Well, you know, I believe a little bit different. If they, if they answer in a way that's not uh, biblical Christianity, like, well, you know, I go to church every week or, or whatever. If it's anything other than Christ has forgiven me of my sin, praise be to his name. Go and treat them like a lost person. Treat them like they don't know Jesus. Well, if we follow the flow chart, there's a follow, or excuse me, follow the flow chart, you go to the left, it's time to get the gospel to them. What I believe is a little bit different. You know what I've come to understand? I found out this to be true. The Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And you know, in my life, as I look at the Ten Commandments, it says some things in there like, man, I shouldn't put anything before God. And if I do, it's sin. You know, in my life, I've put things before God before. But you know, it also says things like not to lie. Good gracious. You know, I, I, I know I lie. And it also says steal. And uh, you think about stealing. Well, you know, anytime you take something without permission from the owner, it's stealing, whether it be a pen or, or anything. So I realized, gee, I'm a thief. Not to mention honoring my parents. I know there's times I rebelled against them. Not only um, uh, adultery, and maybe physically I'm uh, uh, innocent of that, but Jesus said if I looked upon the opposite sex with lust in my heart, I've committed adultery. So you know what I found out, friend? That golly, if I stood before God now, I'm an idolater. I'm a murderer. I'm an adulterer. I dishonor my parents. I'm a liar. I'm a thief. And it really broke my heart. But then I heard about Jesus. I heard the scripture said that God demonstrated his love for me. That while I was an idolatrous, lying, murderer, adulterous thief. That he demonstrated his love for me. And that while I was those things, Christ died for me. And that by repenting of my sin. And placing my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That my sin can be pardoned. My sin can be forgiven. And I can have confidence that when I stand before God, he'll declare me innocent. Now, you're not seeing a perfect person in front of you now, but you see a person who's striving to follow Jesus closer and closer every day. Not so that I can be saved, but because I'm saved. Does this resonate with you any this morning? Well, guess what? They can either say yes or no. And listen, Once you've shared the gospel, it's God's move now. They're going to do one of two things. Well, several things, right? Well, that's that's kind of an interesting story, but I'm not really interested. Well, you know what? Thank you so much for your time. It's just something that's so important to me, and I, and I, I like talking to other people about it. But thank you for your time. And you let it go. You leave with a good testimony. And you allow the Spirit to do what the Spirit's going to do in that individual's life. But perhaps they say, gosh, that sounds very interesting. And I go, I tell you what, can we meet and have some coffee at Starbucks down here? Maybe we can talk about this some more. I'd love to do that with you. What are they going to say? Yes or no? See, as Brother Mike preached several weeks ago, guys, we don't bring salvation to an, in, in, to an individual. We never do. God has tasked us as a means to an end. You know, we talked about prayer being that means to an end. We know by us sharing our faith, by us sharing our testimony, by us sharing the gospel, is God's mean to a salvific end for many. For many. The Holy Spirit will begin to work. And you may never see that person again. But you know what? If God's going to save them, he's going to continually send witnesses that away. And they may come to faith in Christ. What Jimmy has to do, now listen, I struggle with this. Struggle with this. I think in our American culture, we're all about production. You know, I work this time, I want to get it done. 
I want to see people saved. But what I have to let go is, God, you're in the saving business. You've called me to be a witness. How much pressure does that take off of us to simply share the powerful gospel that has transformed our life with the lives of others and leave the results to God? I want to do something this morning. Like I say, this is not a sermon. This is not a typical thing you're going to see at Celebration Baptist Church. But we've kind of looked at that flow chart and just kind of want to see how this thing fleshes out a little bit this morning. Uh-uh. I have a friend, and uh, it's just funny. I need to talk to you about what. There he is right there. Hey, Ray. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. How you doing? Doing good. Doing That's good. awesome. Did I see you at the Gator game last night? You sure did. Wasn't that, that an was awesome game? game? Yeah. Dude, put it up. Yeah. I sweated Amen. a little bit, though. Yeah, I know. Well, thank the Lord I'm not a Seminole this morning. Amen. <laughs> good yeah. gracious. You know, I saw you also at Sears the other day. You're loading up that uh, table saw. Yeah, I just got into working with power tools and... Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, yeah. I'm kind of into that, too. I, I heard you were. Yeah, so yeah. maybe we can kind of get together one time and, and, and split our tools and everything else. So, man, other than tools and football, what do you do? Um, just work, and we go to church. Oh, you go to church? Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Where do you go to church at? Uh, Last Baptist of Nassau. Last Baptist of Nassau. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Man, that's cool. Well, yeah, I go down to celebration. You know, I'm always kind of interested. Um, you know, all churches are trying to prepare us for heaven. Right. And things like that, you know, get us ready to stand before God. And we know our biggest problem is sin. You know, we all fail before God. How does your church teach that you can be forgiven of sin? You know, Jimmy, we, uh, we just try to do the best we can. Mm-hmm. We uh, try not to judge people. And, uh, you know, we just try to live every day the best we can. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, I, I, I read the Bible and I see something a little bit different. Can I share with you just for a few moments? Sure. Yeah, just, just for a few moments. The, when I looked through Scripture, I was, I was just kind of amazed at this passage that says, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Right. You know, when I first read that, it really kind of stunned me. But then I got to thinking of the Ten Commandments. You know the Ten Commandments. Probably remember from childhood and things like that. Don't ask me to... Oh, no, 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 oh, okay. boy. But matter of fact, I don't even know if I can get them in order. Oh, okay. But you know what I found out is, uh, man, it says in there that we should not, not put anything. That talks about idols, but really what I found out, man, it, it doesn't put anything before God. And Ray, as I thought about that in my own life, I found many times I put other stuff before God. I mean, I, I didn't put God first. It was right. what I wanted. And then I stumbled on about honoring our parents. And remember, I remember as a teenager, man, whew, I did not honor my parents on many occasions. Right. And then it says we shouldn't kill people. I'm like, woo, Scott yeah, free there, right? right there. But you know yeah. what I read in Matthew chapter 5? Jesus says, if I have had hatred in my heart towards another, that I have effectively committed murder. Wow. So, you know what? Those Seminole fans of that game last night? Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you, you know yeah. where I'm coming from, yeah. right? Yeah. But then I and keep. Them officials. Yeah, and them officials, yeah. 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 What love, brother? What love? <laughs> but, you know, I kept reading through there, and it talks about stealing. And, and when I started contemplating that, anytime I take something without permission, it's stealing. Even if it's only a nickel thing out of a hotel or something, a pin or something. If I don't ask permission, then I've effectively stolen, right? Right. And, and man, coveting what my neighbor has, well, I was doing that when you were taking that saw in last night. I'm like, man, I'd like to have one of those. But, you know what, Ray? It really brought the picture in. And when Jesus said, or where the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, I realized, man, I am a sinner. I'm a sinner. And, uh, and, and I felt a sense of hopelessness about that. But as I continue to read in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says this, God demonstrated his love toward us. And that while I was a sinner, while I was an adulterer, idolater, while I was a, um, a thief and, and coveting other people's stuff, that Christ died for me. Wow, that's amazing, Jim. 
Yeah. Would he do the same for me? He will do the same for you, right? Is um, is this something that's been weighing on your heart? It is. It is really. It is. Yeah. Because I I realize going to church and I realize I fall short, but you know I've I've fallen short for so long that forgive me. Well, hey, man. Well, if you don't mind, let me just sit down. Let's talk a little bit more about this, okay? okay. Church, that, there's a little dialogue right there. And uh, from that point, uh, now listen, this thing, well, amen. God and glory is his message, isn't it? It's his message. Now, this thing could have went either way. And I'm gonna be, uh, you're going to have to be in the spirit praying here because Ray could have answered that in several ways, couldn't he? He could have said, uh, well, you know, I really kind of think about this, but I want to look some more into it. Well, man, I want to follow up with you. But listen, don't ever discount the possibility of God has already broken that person. He may have gone to church and Mike and Dan and Jonathan could have already talked to him several months earlier. And I'm at the point now where he says, you know, I got to respond to this. And from that testimony, I would really sit down him and and go through some scriptures and and, and try to understand uh, where he is at spiritually. But he may be ready to receive Christ right now. But it may not be that way. It may, it may be, well, you know, Jimmy, that's, just, uh, that's a good story and everything, but, you know, I'm not really. Well, thank you. Thank you for your time. It's just so important to me. And, and uh, you know, we're going to have this kind of common thing with the wood shop and everything. I just, it's just something important I had to share with you. You see how that can go either way. But whatever he responds to me, I am not offended because it's not my message. It's the gospel message. And I've got to love him regardless of how he treats me. Amen? I've got to be humble I got to love him and let him not concern. I am concerned about his soul. Now, in that flow chart, what if they said, no, nah, I don't go to church anywhere. And Ray jumped ahead. I got to get me a better. And I was kidding, brother. You did awesome. But in that part uh, where I asked him, if he says, uh, do, you, do you go to church in that flow chart? Do you go to church anywhere? He may have said, no, 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 no. Well, you know, my next question is, well, do you have any religious beliefs? Do you have any spiritual beliefs? Right? And stand by, because this could be anything under the sun. But I'll tell you where most of it boils down to. In my experience, I think Mike and, and Dan and Jonathan validate this. It's this, church. And this is my concern that sometimes this even happens in the church. You know, ultimately, whatever you believe. Okay, here we go. Whatever you believe. When you stand before God, ultimately, he's going to put all your goods on one side and all your bads on the other. And if your goods outweigh your bads, he's going to let you into heaven. And let me tell you the theological problem with that is, there's several, actually, is there's none of us good. If you've ever violated the law of God or even violated your conscience requirements when God writes on the heart of man, you have sinned before God. That's certainly a, a major problem right there. There are none of us good. And I forgot what the other one was. Oh, also, theologically, God is good, which means he is good in every uh, character or every uh, every aspect of him, his mercy, his wisdom, his uh, love, his judgment must be good. And let me just kind of bring this down to home where it resonates in our heart. If there was a man to stand before a judge in Duval County this, this, this tomorrow morning, and Friday he killed 20 innocent people just for the fun of it, and the judge said, well, you know, looking over your history, this is your first offense. We're going to let you go. Not a single one of us in this room would say justice has been done would we? Not a single one of us. So the fact that we can stand before God with any wickedness, with any evil, with any wrongdoing, and God just simply say, well, that's okay. It makes God unjust. That is why the gospel message is so powerful. You see, the cross is that intersection of God's mercy and his justice. God put it rightfully in Genesis chapter three, said, that's it. I am done with man. But he made a promise. He said, one day, 
Your seed, your seed will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. The bruising of the heel was the cross of Calvary. The crushing of the head was the resurrection of the dead. Our Savior come to life. That is a powerful, powerful message. And people need to hear that. People need to hear that. I was encouraged last night. Let me share you. I've asked permission to use this. Um, in all honesty, you know, I was kind of putting these things in the bulletin last night. And, uh, and, and, and there are things that go through your mind that, you know, people are not going to respond to this. You know, it's the devil, I know, because I know God's people want to hear God's word. They want to be about doing what God wants them to do. But in the midst of that, I got a phone call. And I asked Ashley, she plays our keyboard from time to time. She is ecstatic on the phone. I have been working with her small group over the last several weeks doing exactly what I'm talking to you here. She says, you won't believe it. She says, I'm up here in North Carolina, thinks what she said. And we're an outback. And I wanted to pray with the server, but I backed out. But when I left, he was standing there all alone. And I just kind of went up to him and I said, hey, do you go to church anywhere? And she said, I was floored because he sat down in a chair. And she's like, oh, whoa, what's going on here? But he says, you know, I've been taking college courses on Eastern mysticism and different religions, and I'm just really confused. And she said, would you mind if I share with you just for a few moments what I found to be true? And from there, and part of the conversation went, and I just want to be able to help people at some point in time and be part of the community. Now, her brother is going to seminary, all right, but he was kind of overhearing it. You need to set that as a backdrop as well. But she shared with him the gospel. And he says, well, this sounds very interesting. And then her brother walks up and says, well, I heard you mentioned about community. Well, we have a small group that meets on Thursday night. would love for you to come be a part of that. He said, I would love that. I would love that. Now, church was actually a failure because he didn't come to faith in Jesus Christ right there. He was not. She was not a failure. Matter of fact, there is a joy that overcomes you when you find yourself in obedience to what God has called you to do, especially and bringing glory and honor to his son who died for all of us, that is indescribable. And that was just bubbling over the phone. And I, I, I am a Baptist, but I have little Baptocostal roots. <laughs> because I'm Baptist, I left one foot still now, okay? As some of y'all went to our little uh, thing and saw me square dance, he said, that's not true, I saw you moving both feet. Church, the gospel's a power message. Now, what manner? Am I running out of time, brother? Let's talk about um, just one last thing, the manner. How, what are some things we can do now? If we, if we, if we can kind of memorize and put into our own thinking, our own flow, that flow chart, what's the next step? Well, the manner. The first thing is, you know what? Let's get serious about identifying. Identifying. Lord, and in prayer, God, who is it? That you want me to speak to. God, prepare my heart today for those I may cross paths with. May the Spirit make me alert to what you're doing. Is it a family member you want me to talk to? Is it a coworker you want me to talk to? Identify these folks. Next thing is initiate. Take the initiative. Get engaged in that person's life. Talk with them. Share common interest. Start developing a relationship with them. And, and the next thing is start investing. Invest in their life. Where do you go to church? What are your spiritual beliefs? I mean, we're friends, and you know what? We're, you're always going to be my friend. But as my friend, 
it's important for me to share with you something that's so, so, so true in my life. Would you mind? You know, I don't know if a friend in the world would say, no, 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 I don't want to hear what you got to say. If they say that, they're not your friend anyway, right? So you got identify, initiate, invest, and then invite. Now, this invite can work out several ways. Invite them to church, invite them to your small group. But if you've invested them with the gospel, invite them to Christ. Invite them to Christ. You're going to be hearing more about these eyes. And I really want to kind of get it ingrained in your head. Identify, Lord, I am surrounded by lost folks. Where would you have me impact? What would you have me say? What would you have me do? And then initiate. This is where I think we, we, we kind of fumble the ball. Let me just ask a question. I'm going to ask you to raise a hand. Do you, this is not a hard question, do you happen to know of anybody that doesn't know Jesus? That's the first step right there. Matter of fact, in your mind now, some names are coming to mind. I'm going to ask you to commit those names to prayer. That's part of the initiation or identification. And then, God, give me the grace and the boldness to initiate a dialogue with them and start investing in them the gospel. Allow me to start sowing seeds of truth in their life. God forbid that they're my friend for 20 years and don't know what I know about my Savior. God forbid. And then invite. Invite them to a small group, invite them to church, invite them to Christ. The gospel is powerful. Don't let our adversary tell you anything different. It is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. I'm going to share with you too. I know this morning, this has been an instructional type message, if you will. But maybe this is the first time that you've really come face to face with the gospel. Maybe this is the first time it's really impacted your life. That you come to the understanding that I am a sinner. And like Isaiah, woe is me if I have to stand before God. You may have came in that way. But brother or sister, you don't have to leave that way. Jesus said, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How do I become a Christian? You repent of that sin and say, God, I am in error. I am wrong in your sight. But I plead mercy. I ask that in the name of Jesus Christ, you forgive me my sin and give me the grace and the power to follow after him as my Lord and Savior. You can say that sitting there. You can say that when we stand. You can come down and talk with Brother Mike or myself, and we'll, we'll be glad to talk with you more about that. But if you do that, tell somebody about it. Here am I, Lord. Okay, when I say that, we say send me. Here am I, Lord. Would you stand, please?